For the A&A Champions of Growth podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz. Do CMOs and marketers face an existential crisis? Raja Rajamanar, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer and President, Healthcare Business at MasterCard, doesn't necessarily agree. But he concedes that marketers need a much greater sense of urgency about the many challenges they are now dealing with. Rajamanar calls it a tech tsunami, a confluence of technologies like artificial intelligence and augmented reality dubbed Web 3.0, that are having a major impact on the marketing field. In his new book, Quantum Marketing, Mastering the New Marketing Mindset for Tomorrow's Consumers, Raja Manar refers to the bundle of technologies as the fifth paradigm, or the next stage of marketing that he says will not be an evolution, but a revolution. He joins me now to talk more about the dramatic changes CMOs are grappling with, how marketers bolster relationships throughout the entire organization, and ultimately, win bigger budgets from the C-suite. Raja, welcome to the show. Raja, you are one of the most vocal and tireless advocates for CMOs and continue to educate the industry about the immense challenges and opportunities for chief marketers. However, CMOs now face significant economic headwinds, along with the downward trajectory in the average CMO tenure and some major brands getting rid of the CMO position altogether. So my question is, with so much upside for CMOs to take ownership of consumer engagement and provide that connective tissue throughout the organization, why do chief marketers seem to be falling behind? See, I think this has been happening for the last, I would say 25 years plus, since the launch of the internet. Uh, marketing after that uh, phase or after that era started becoming very technologically driven and very quantitative. Marketers traditionally have been more qualitative. They were basing their uh, strategies on psychology, sociology, anthropology, and uh, behavioral sciences and gut feel, intuition. But then when the world has moved where things can be measured, where deep, uh, technology has to be deployed, where data analytics has proliferated, marketers started getting left behind. And the agenda was being taken from their hands into somebody else's. And your points are absolutely right. There are a lot of companies, the CEOs have lost confidence that their marketing teams, not just the CMOs, but the entire marketing teams, they don't feel can drive growth. And that is a disaster, right? And uh, as a result of which many CMO roles have got eliminated, Marketing got fragmented. In the olden days, we used to say there are four Ps of marketing. But today, marketers barely hold on to one P, which is more the promotional pillar. And then you also have the situation where the technology platforms are really taking the upper uh, hand in this entire uh, space. Now, whether it is a social media platforms or the data analytics platforms, the ad tech companies, uh, these are the ones who are really driving the marketing ecosystem and marketers seem to be in a meek and a, a receiving end of the entire equation as opposed to being in the driver's seat. Plus, the last thing I would say is, you know, I have seen this firsthand. I have been a business manager and managing P&Ls for half of my career, and the other half of my career, I have been managing marketing. Whenever I was in the business roles, I would ask my marketing persons, what is the ROI? I'm giving you folks X million dollars. What is the company getting in return? And please do not give me any fluffy answers that say, nor things which you hide in your behind marketing jargon, like, oh, my brand awareness has gone up, my brand predisposition has gone up. 
all those are good for you marketers. But when I'm looking at my P&L, I want to understand what is the top line influence or impact that these campaigns are creating, or what is the ROI? If I'm putting $100, what am I getting in return? And when you ask those questions, many of the marketers are sort of caught like deer in headlight without answers and waffling. That has been a problem. As a result of all these, right now, the situation is though the environment is so ripe for marketers to take the agenda, marketers are still lagging behind. And it's time marketers have to really, really educate themselves, have teams which understand quantitative and qualitative aspects and who can integrate all these things together. And CMOs have to become evangelists for marketing on the C-suite and with the board of directors. And it, it's an aggressive campaign end-to-end -end that marketers have to do to regain their gravitas, to regain their stature, and to regain their seat at the is table. Is it that more, too many CMOs are being anachronistic in their thinking? Are the four traditional P's of marketing becoming obsolete? and being eclipsed by programmatic marketing? I would say it's a combination of both, right? So firstly, marketing is basically a function that enables, supports, and drives business. Marketing is also the steward for brand. They build, they nurture, and they protect the brand. And then marketing also has to set up competitive advantage in the marketplace. So if you look at these three as the primary pillars of what marketing is, building and managing the reputation of the brand, uh, driving the business and being the fuel are the force multiplier for the business, and third, building competitive advantages. You don't have to visualize this entire thing from the perspective of the four Ps of marketing. In some cases, having four Ps in marketing might just be unrealistic given the nature of the business. In some cases, it makes eminent sense to have these four Ps and more. So this is one part of it. The other part of it is, I would not say marketers are getting anachronistic, but marketers are not keeping themselves relevant to the business as the business environment is evolving. You ask many marketing persons, and you know, if you say, how exactly are blockchains going to be used in marketing? The blockchains are taking root in a big way we seem to be blissfully unaware of by and large as marketing community. And you talk about, okay, you're going to have AI. Where are, do you understand what AI is? Or are you taking simply the sales uh, pitch of various vendors saying that, hey, my solution is powered by AI and simply going, do you have enough knowledge to be able to probe uh, into the details to understand if it really is makes sense or not? And if answers are being given, do you understand enough to understand the answers? Or are you sort of, you know, uh, relatively ignorant? And I'm sad to say that I have interacted with a number of marketing folks and not enough is being done by them to educate themselves and keep themselves totally up-to-date and contemporary. So it's a combination of both, therefore. Is this part of the transition that you were talking about that CMOs uh, need to... Uh, uh, ratchet up, or is it more transformational? And I use that word gingerly because it seems like it's being tossed around a lot, just as, as you refer to, uh, CMOs have to get more baseline squared away before they can perhaps start to think about transformational. Yeah, so firstly, programmatic is just one sliver 
of all the technologies that are available. And that, that has been around for 20 plus years. It's not something which has suddenly come up uh, recently, right? Today, when you are talking and referring to transformation, I would say that we are not only transforming, or we, should, we are in a transformational phase, we are in the most unprecedented level of disruption that marketing has ever seen. I call this the fifth paradigm of marketing. Now, each time marketing shifted from one paradigm to the next paradigm, there were a couple of technologies which were really necessitating and enabling that shift. For example, from paradigm two to three, it was all internet and data analytics. From paradigm three to four, it was mobile and social media platforms. Now, it's not just two platforms, but we have got two dozen platforms that are coming at us like a tsunami. It's literally like a tech tsunami. You got AI, you got AR, you got VR, the whole metaverse, you got Web3, right? And then you have got cryptocurrencies, you have got your uh, blockchains, all part of Web3. You have got autonomous driving vehicles, 3D printing, 5G telecommunications, uh, internet of things, wearables, smart speakers. Now, the number of new technologies which are coming, each one of them is going to be profoundly impacting marketing. The confluence of these 24 technologies which are coming at us is going to be incredibly powerful. And it's like literally unprecedented level of disruption is what we will see. So it is not a hyperbole at this point in time. And it's not that this is going to happen 10 years or five years down the line. It is happening right now as we speak. When you talk about all these challenges that CMOs face, how are these challenges, and again, from a very operational and practical standpoint, impacting the relationship with their agencies? Uh, can you provide me with some examples, perhaps, in terms of MasterCard working with its agencies and starting to, again, manifest a lot of these ideas when there are all the sort of traditional challenges between agencies and, and client side. And now, again, you're talking about, again, this whole other bundle concerning disruption. So having the right talent at the agencies is a big challenge. And it is even bigger than attracting the right marketing talent to client companies. Now, when you're talking of these technological changes that are going to disrupt, you need top talent with your agencies because an agency is nothing but an extension of your company. They are in it, in the journey with you all the way, every step of the way. Now, if they are not able to advance our agenda, you're sort of a little hamstrung. So it is critical that you have the right agency partners with the right agency talent. We expect the agency now to deliver higher order creativity, and they also have to bring in technologies which enable creativity. Like for example, when we looked at creating music, now a lot of music is actually also being played with uh, uh, by AI. Like there is an engine called Endel, which has actually a record label contract. Uh, and that's extraordinary, right? Artificial intelligence creating. To be sure, this is not artificial general intelligence. This is not original creativity. It is compositions which optimize and they take different pieces and actually it is written in a pretty good, it's composed in a pretty good way. But these are the things we have to take advantage of. Now, when you're getting augmented reality, you're getting virtual reality or this whole metaverse uh, stuff, if you think in traditional terms and say, I got a TV advertisement, 
And I got these banners which are there or outdoor billboards. Let me just go and put it inside the metaverse. It's not going to work. Metaverse requires a complete different visualization that is native to that environment and it's optimized to that particular platform. Now, if your agency is not up the curve on that, then you're in trouble. So for example, we have created and our agency is McCann. So we created a beautiful campaign. Uh, we call it Pride Plaza uh, in Decentraland. So they came up with the whole creativity, the thought metaverse first, because it was an advertisement campaign. It was a campaign completely, just beyond advertising. It was an experiential uh, campaign that was created in the metaverse for the metaverse. So you need to rethink. So for, in order to be able to do this, my agency first needed to understand what is metaverse, what are the possibilities there, what does it take to create, what does it take, to, what are the constraints and what are the lack of constraints that they can take advantage of and so on. So it's everyone of us therefore together, the agencies and the clients, we are marching forward uh, in this new uh, realm, literally, and that's very exciting. Whether it's the metaverse, which is still, I think, somewhat amorphous now and still being defined or just immersive technologies. Are you suggesting in terms of working with agencies that agencies need to ramp up their online analytics talent? Absolutely. Uh, because Absolutely. the expectations are getting exponentially higher on the client side. And do you, do you see something that needs to be accelerated? So there are two different things altogether, right? So firstly, do the agencies have to ramp up their knowledge and, uh, and gain experience in the space? The answer is absolutely yes, because they have to add value to the clients. That's one part of it. In terms of the minimum of the agencies or not, that's a different thing. It actually might be a proliferation of your agencies as well, because if there is a super specialization and you're uh, playing in a particular space and you need a specialized agency partner for that, you might not just want to stick with your agency of record, but you might want to go for an additional agency. So there is a proliferation probably. I'm not saying there will be, but I'm saying it is not necessary that agencies will get pared down and you'll have a smaller number of agencies, nor do I say that agencies will just proliferate. I'm saying it could go many ways, but my suspicion is not every agency will be an expert at every single new technology that is coming. And therefore you might be as a company in a position to actually work with a multitude of companies, either facilitated through your agency, interacting with your agency, or as a client, you might even have direct relationships with them. And that begs the question, Raj, about do you see a proliferation in the number of in-house agencies? I would say that a lot of companies are experimented. They moved to and fro. Some of the very large companies as well. They went in-house, then they went out-house, then they came back again in. There are lots of to and fro's which are happening. The way I see it is there are some aspects which you have to do in the company. Like for example, you have to own as a client strategy. I see in many cases that delegate the strategy to the agency, which I think is that the marketers are being simply lazy and they're abdicating the responsibility. The second part of it is where if you start creating things instead of your agency, then you need to ask yourself, is that creativity sustainable in the company? One of the advantages of having an external agency is that they are looking at multiple industries. They All they do day in and day out is think, create. Uh, and and, and they, they have got multi-industry experience, multi-product experience and all that. Can you replicate that within the company? If you think you can, 
And if the economics are better, by all means, go for it. So you don't see necessarily it, it, it's sort of evolving in terms of in-house agency and for growth and for cost efficiencies for the client. You don't see it necessarily coming to a zero-sum game where, you know, the client eventually, and I, and I get what you're saying that you always need that outside perspective, but you don't, and, but you don't see something evolving where, you know, the bulk of the work is done in-house because we're all under one roof and we're all of the same head. And, you know, we'll go outside and sprinkle the account or the campaign or whatnot, you know, with some outside perspective. See, economies should be a supporting enabler as opposed to the primary driver for in-housing versus outsourcing. The key thing is you want outstanding creativity, innovative thinking, and that if, they, if you can do it in-house, by all means, go for it if it gives you the economies. But what I'm saying is that is, some, in my case, at least that's how I look at it. When you are giving your creative responsibilities or creative challenges to outside folks, who that's all they do it for a living, there are advantages. If you bring some aspects of it in-house where you're not, these are the lower order creativity stuff, or these are the lower order media uh, buying kind of stuff. These things, it won't suffer whether it is outhouse or in-house, but if you're bringing it in-house, you might actually accomplish uh, economies, better uh, uh, economics. So, which is fine, you can go ahead and do that. The, the key thing is, let the tail not wag the dog. Don't start with economy, start with outstanding impact, outstanding creativity that, that drives enormous impact. When you get that, through whatever is the mechanism, go follow that. Uh, and so that's how I would look at it. There are some areas which lend themselves better to insourcing. As I said, the lower, lower order functions uh, are things that can be totally automated. They can be in-house. But original creativity, I would always rely on outside agencies myself. Similar ideas, but from an internal standpoint and what, and what a lot of CMOs struggle with, as you well know, in the sense of communicating what's going on, the resources CMOs need for that journey you described to the rest of the C-suite. And CMOs taking this, what might be a relatively short window to be considering a lot of the headwinds they're facing, not just economically, but professionally. How do CMOs become true agents for change management? So when you look at change management, there are three areas that you're looking at, right? change management vis-a-vis -vis the C-suite and your board of directors, change management vis-a-vis -vis your own team members, and change management at the industry level. Now, when you look at the first one, which is change management at the C-suite level, it is a truth that in spite of the fact that most of the C-suite members, practically everyone would feel that they are experts at marketing because after all, they feel that marketing is commonsensical you need to educate them without pontificating. You need to carry them with you. You need to co-opt them into your marketing processes. When you have the people on the C-suite, starting with your CEO and the board members, when they co-opt into your function, which is marketing, the effectiveness that you can accomplish within the company is huge. For every CMO, this is the number one job. The second change management is with your own team. How we you organize your team? What kind of a vision are you painting it for them? 
How are you simplifying the tasks at hand so that they can grasp very easily and follow in a, a uniform, uh, in a uh, direction that is, uh, that you have set the strategic direction that you have set for the company and for the function? How do you educate them? How do you enable them? How do you inspire them? And how do you make sure that they are collaborating with their peers outside of marketing? That's the second thing which is critical. And that's a change management in itself, which is humongous. The third one is at the industry level. You know that ANA has done this study three or four years back, asking uh, youngsters, students, saying that which functions do you rate uh, in terms of where you would want to go? Unfortunately, marketing was rated below nursing and accounting, right? which is really sad because when the days that I have graduated from my MBA, marketing was the number one field. Today, marketing is not even the top 10 fields or so, which is sad. So the key thing is, as marketers, we all have the responsibility to inspire the next generation or the new crop of marketers who will come in, which is with the colleges, working with the professors, giving them case studies, and giving meaningful internships for the students, and inspire them and draw them into marketing. So these are the three areas of change management that we have to really look at very seriously. But at the risk of being reductionist, that three-legged stool you talk about, does one inform the other in the sense that in order to be successful with your team, you first have to be successful with the C-suite. In order to be successful with the industry, you have to be successful with your team and make sure everything is in sync. That one informs the other to achieve legitimate success. The number one and two, which is with the C-suite and the board, and with your team, these two go hand in hand. One builds upon the other. When your management is really supportive, the team feels very encouraged. When your team does brilliantly, the management becomes even more supportive. So th these two are like you know, the play off of each other. It's very important. This is for today. But when you look at tomorrow, you, if you have to draw in the talent, unless marketing as a function is perceived well in the company, how will you inspire and attract an outsider to come in? And how will you get them excited about the field of marketing itself unless you are creating stuff that is absolutely brilliant, even for a commoner from outsider to see, to admire, and to appreciate? So and therefore, I would say one and two are day-to-day reality, and the future foundational activity is a number three. Stay with us. We got lots more to come. We now take a break for a brief message regarding ANA Newsstand. The ANA produces four in-house publications covering the latest developments and trends in B2C, B2B, brand purpose, and across the industry at large. With practical insights from leading brand marketers, agency partners, and industry experts, our publications are designed to give marketers the real-world intelligence they need to drive growth and boost their value. Find the publications at ana.net slash newsstand. And now back to our show. Welcome back. I'm speaking with Raja Rajamanar. Chief Marketing and Communications Officer and President Healthcare Business at MasterCard about the major challenges facing CMOs and marketers. Raja, technology, of course, is fueling much of the change for CMOs and marketers who are inherently right brain people who gravitate toward the creative, but not so much for the analytics, left side brain. So I wonder if the pace of technological change is starting to exceed marketers' ability to adopt to new environments. Does that get to the crux of the challenges and perhaps why the average CMO tenure continues to decline? I would say that largely contributes. 
And it is not a new phenomenon. Like I said, since the introduction of internet and since the advent of data analytics into the field of marketing, marketers started falling behind even then. That pace at which they are falling behind is steeply accelerating with all these new technologies that are coming at us. And that is really worrisome. And when you don't understand the environment in which you're operating, when you don't understand the technologies that are available that you don't even know how to leverage them appropriately for your company, that's when you have the problem, particularly if your competitors are actually leveraging those. So the key thing is, that's a significant driver of obsolescence amongst the marketing community for sure. Uh, in terms of why the CMO tenure is actually shortening, that's another story altogether, which is in terms of the lack of confidence, particularly of the CEOs. You know, there was a survey that was done and I have mentioned it in my book, multiple studies actually they have shown that 70% of the CEOs of companies do not have confidence in their marketing teams to drive profitable business growth. Now, if that's how your CEO is perceiving about your function, that's a recipe for disaster. And that's exactly what is happening. So marketers are struggling to have long-term stints at various companies. And there is literally like a go, uh, no, merry-go-round. You go from one company to another company to another company, and you know, which is not great because at the end of the day, I said the level of continuity is really helpful for the company because it takes you a good year, year and a half to understand your company, your brand, your ethos, everything very deeply. And then you start beginning and then you need to build your legacy and your succession team. And you have to demonstrate consistency of performance. All this will take at least four to five years at a minimum. And today the average CMO tenure is fall short of it. How do CMOs get out of what seems to be a, this vicious cycle? They're not providing the returns to the C-suite. The CFO has these doubts about this exceeding cost center rather than a profit center. And in turn, they don't get the resources they need to provide or demonstrate what the CEO and the CFO are looking for in terms of the top and bottom lines and, and not to mention awareness and exposure. How do CMOs get off this track? There is not a single silver bullet, obviously. And again, uh, coincidentally, there is a complete, you know, sub stuff I have written in my book exactly on this topic, which is the existential crisis of CMOs, right? The bottom line is there is low to no confidence in the CEOs. Your focus has to be for, on that, which is why is it that my CEO, my CFO, my C-suite peers do not have confidence? Is it because we are not good? Is it because we are not able to do good? Is it that we are not able to articulate the good that we are doing, but to connect the dots back to the business outcomes? What exactly is going wrong and why? You know, in fact, when I came to MasterCard, one of the first things that I tried to do was to establish bridges with my CFO because my CFO at that time always used to suspect that marketing was a little fluffy. They do some creative stuff, but they're in their own la-la land and that these guys are creating some stuff which they get excited about, but we have no clue what it's doing to the business. Is it money being wasted or it what? So one of my first briefs from my CEO was to win back the gravitas and the credibility of this function and establish it as a business driver. I'm blessed with an amazing team, which has done an outstanding job. So what happens is in many cases, as, as much as we are all marketers, we don't know how to market our function. 
We don't know how to market marketing to the C-suite and to the board of directors. And that's that's one thing which is important. But the marketing cannot be based on some, you know, what you call fluffy stuff. It has to be on those core attributes and KPIs that matter to the audience. In this case, the CEO or the C-suite and the board members. So very methodically, we started saying, like, and I started asking some existential questions to my CEO and I was interviewing my C-suite peers and the board members. What are your expectations from marketing? Why do you think marketing exists in this company? What are your pain points? Where do you think marketing is lagging? No, because I came in as a new CMO, I could ask these questions and there was a context of why I was asking those questions. But I got very, very telling answers. And then I started addressing each one of them and figured out, okay, if this is the feeling, how can I make sure that the perception around that is changed? Either we make a real change, but the perception is not a reflection of reality, then you change the perception, which means your narrative has to be fact-based and drive that change in perception. So we went through this whole journey and it doesn't happen overnight. You have to build it. You have to consistently show results and you have to draw them in, into the function for them to appreciate what is going on. I had done even a couple of exercises where I said, let's all create an advertisement. Now I will sit back. You guys, you create an ad and show me. When they go through that experience, they say, oh my God, this is not simple. And then okay. there's a deep level of experiential learning. So CMOs have to really be focused on this for their own teams. If they are not doing it, it's an injustice to the teams. Do you think that's a really good exercise that perhaps most CMOs should do in terms of going into the CSU and say, hey, you do the creative. You see how easy it is. I mean, again, is that not to be underestimated? In fact, I think uh, it will be one of the most productive exercises, right? Because as I said, the self-perception of anyone outside of marketing is marketing is just common sense. They can do it themselves. Some of the set of folks who feel that What's a big deal about it? These guys, they tell the agency, the agency puts the ad and then they release an ad. What are these guys uh, adding value by way of? So simulate a whole situation with the agency as well and say, okay, dear CFO, this is what the brief is, right? So can you just develop it and then see what we go through every day? As we wrap up, uh, Raja, and I want to switch gears for a moment, just get your take on this, uh, this ongoing melding of the physical and digital environs with the metaverse at the forefront of immersive technology. How does the melding affect the CMO role moving forward? Is it in profound ways? How is MasterCard approaching all this? Metaverse has humongous potential. When the potential will be realized at scale is something which is anybody's case. It's up in the air. So what we are doing at MasterCard is to realize firstly that there is a potential down the line. We need to start dipping our toes in, test the waters, gain learnings, and be prepared when the opportunity really materializes in a commercially scalable fashion. So we started, for example, we said there are lots of platforms. There is Decentraland. So we created a pride plaza in Decentraland. We went to roadblocks and roadblocks. We went and have done a Grammys experience, Grammy Awards experience with the virtual work, carpet walk, and a whole immersive thing around that. We got into NFTs. We even announced a partnership with Coinbase to make it easy for people to buy and sell NFTs, which currently is a horribly complex and useless process. So we said, how do you simplify it? So we're taking that particular challenge. We got into blockchains in a big way. We are probably one of the top companies in terms of the number of patents or patent applications we have filed for getting our intellectual property registered. 
and blockchains, we are trying a ton of things in that space. Then we got cryptocurrencies and cryptocurrencies. Now we have enabled a lot of functionality around cryptocurrencies. The confluence of all this is what we call as Web3. And so, as I said, we are trying out lots of things. So whether it is Sandbox or it is Decentraland, whether it is Roblox or it is Horizon Worlds, which is a Facebook or Meta, Meta platform. So we're looking and experimenting and trying out things, capturing the learnings, documenting them. So this is how we are going about it at MasterCard. Now today, if you were to strictly see what the ROI is, that is up in the air. Will it scale? Answer is yes. Will it scale this month, this year, next year? We don't know. So a lot of it depends on consumer experience. How easy is it to get on? Like for example, if you ask me to wear that headset on my head and then do it for gaming, maybe I'll do it for health and fitness. Maybe I'll do it. Will I really do it for online shopping? I may not do it. It's too painful. And after 10 minutes or so, my head starts feeling heavy and I start feeling giddy. I take it off and then I do something else. So till the time the devices are improved, the resolution of the pictures is improved till the videos become much more interactive, much more realistic, photo real as they call. There is a lot of development still that is yet to happen. When that happens, I think the possibilities are immense. And we need to leave it there. Thanks so much to my guest today, Raja Rajamanar, Chief Marketing and Communications Officer and President, Healthcare Business at MasterCard. You can find Raja's book, Quantum Marketing, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble online. If you'd like to recommend a guest for the Champions of Growth podcast, please email me at mschwartz at ana.net. For the Champions of Growth podcast, I'm Matthew Schwartz.